Welcome to Group Work. I'm your host, Katie K. May, and I interview mental health therapists to find out what happens in the space where group therapy takes place. Take a deep breath and find your seat inside the circle. This episode of Group Work is about to get started. Today on Group Work, I'm welcoming Laura Takas. Laura is the founder and owner of the Center for Mindfulness and CBT. She specializes in BFRBs and has for over 15 years, as well as specializing in anxiety and OCD. Laura presents annually at the conference for BFRBs and has discussed group therapy there. She has a large Facebook group where she supports people in overcoming skin picking and hair pulling to provide them with help with BFRBs and has several courses to help both adults and therapists in gaining control of and treating BFRBs. Laura, welcome to the show. Thank you, Katie. It's great to be here. I'm so excited to have you. So we have a history of just knowing each other in the Facebook world and working in different capacities together. And I've always been a fan of all of the things that you're doing, especially that you're such an expert in this area of BFRBs and it's so needed. So I think I want to start us off by having you introduce yourself informally and then telling our listeners what exactly a BFRB is. Sure. Yeah. So Um, As you stated, I own a, I call it the Center for Mindfulness and CBT. It's a mental health and wellness center in St. Louis, Missouri. I'm a psychologist as well. And so my specialty through the years of my practice have been anxiety, OCD, and BFRBs, which are body-focused repetitive behaviors. It can be a bit of a tongue twister, so um, we call it BFRB for short. And that includes skin picking, like chronic skin picking, um, hair pulling or trichotillomania, as well as any other behavior that is done repetitively to the body. So it could be like cheek biting, lip biting, a lot of people like picking at their cuticles, biting nails, if it becomes a issue that so all of these have to to become a disorder have to, as we all know, as therapists cause significant distress or some disruption in their functioning. So often, you know, these people are not diagnosed because therapists don't, you know, miss it or just think, oh, the skin picking, it's just part of the anxiety and they just diagnose them with anxiety disorder. Well, and skin picking just got into the DSM in this latest edition in 2013. So it's really been an undertreated and still continues to be an undertreated population. So really that's how I became so passionate about treating these disorders. I kind of actually fell into it by specializing in OCD, seeing a lot of patients with these disorders, and then just knew I had to like learn a lot to help my patients. And then was like, wow, I actually really love treating this population. And I I love that I can serve this underserved community. I love that you're passionate in this area. And I think equally important is the education that you're providing on what this is. I can tell you as a green therapist, and I specialize in self-harm. And so there were times when maybe a client was skin picking and I was like, oh, well, they're not technically self-harming. And so that whole idea of putting it as part of just an anxiety profile and not recognizing it as its own thing is something that I'm guilty of by history, just not by knowing. And so exactly. it's, it's so important that you're doing this. Yes, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> and that's part of the reason why I'm so happy to, you know, be on things like this and any way I can to promote 
BFRBs to let more people know about them and and to help yeah spread the word to to people that have the disorders as well as therapists because we're desperately in need of more therapists to treat these disorders so Absolutely. And I'm in your Facebook group. Um, reference again what your Facebook group is called. So it's people called know. Overcoming Skin Picking and Hair Pulling Help for BFRBs. And it includes adults with BFRBs as well as parents and therapists who want to learn how to best help someone with BFRBs. So I provide support, some a little bit of coaching, but mostly, you know, I'll make posts, um, educational kind of posts, helping out with different strategies. And then I often will do free webinars to kind of give more information about the different disorders. And then I will teach the online courses for either the adults with BFRBs or therapists who are wanting to learn to treat them. Yeah. And I'm, I'm referencing this. I'm so glad you have that space again for the education. And also because it's been a learning experience for me to recognize how painful and debilitating BFRBs can be for some people. And so really the necessity of the groups and the services that you offer is so important. And I'd love to learn a little bit more about the BFRB group that you're running. So give us kind of an overview to start with of what that BFRB group is. Sure. So it's a it's an open group and we meet weekly and I do take insurance um, as well as self-pay. So often people will call and they're wanting to, you know, they know I'm a BFRB expert. They want to get in for individual therapy right away. And this is really the reason I started it. My schedule was full. I couldn't get people in. So I said, like, let's start this group. And, and now same thing, you know, I'm still full. So I try to, you know, encourage them to take to do the group. And then I found since then that actually the group has been way more effective than individual therapy because of that community that's so lacking in their lives. I mean, we can all kind of relate to that now during the pandemic, but people with BFRBs are often very isolated, just feel so alone. And and especially in their disorder, they feel like no one understands what they're going through. No one, they couldn't imagine that anyone else does this. And so when people join the group, it's like, even in the first session, it can be so therapeutic, just the release of like, oh my gosh, I've, people will say this so often. I've never met anyone else with the BFRB. I didn't know until I found your Facebook group that these were even disorders. And then, you know, they join and they just feel such, such relief. So it, it's so powerful. And in the group therapy, so we, it's a, I would say, a combination of like CBT slash mindfulness skills group with process group, if you could say that, that they could be meshed together because we really incorporate both. I have a co-leader who's another therapist in my practice. And what we do is just start out by having people, if anyone's new, introductions, confidentiality, that sort of thing. And then a check-in, just each person saying how their week was, what goals they had worked towards in the, in the week, because at the end we set goals. And so, and then they will from there share, you know, any struggles, any successes they've had. And from what they bring up, then we determine what, what they need in that group. And so my co-leader is very creative and that's helpful. And he can think on the spot often of, oh, let's try this activity or let's do this exercise. But sometimes it'll just go and the whole session will be just processing, you know, and, and there's no CBT activity. So it really varies. Um, and then sometimes we'll lead a meditation if we feel like that's what they need that week. 
I love this idea of being able to see what shows up in the room and really go with that. I have some questions about the structure and I have some questions about you as a person. So you can't get away from my high school okay. question, Laura. <laughs> I always want to know who my guests were in high school or a fun fact about them. So share with us something about you from your younger years. So yes, I was very shy and socially anxious all through school, high school included. I was the one that would never raise my hand, never participate. And so it's interesting because I would never want to do a group therapy. I would be terrified of it. I think now as an adult, I would be actually interested in it. But back then, I would have never, never done it. So I, I think that helps me be able to relate to clients because the most common complaint or not complaint, um, like barrier that they put up when I say about the group is they'll say, oh, I'm, I'm too anxious. I can't talk about this in front of other people. And so sometimes I will self-disclose then and say, you know, well, you know, I understand I've suffered with social anxiety my whole life and, and it, it is hard. And, and but I've found that it helps once you the more you start sharing, it gets easier. And one and I'll say, why don't you just try it one time? And that's the nice thing about it being an open group. They can just come try it out. If they don't like it, they don't ever have to come back. And there's, you know, no commitment. But then I'll also let them know that many of the group members are also anxious and that they don't have to share a ton. They can just come in, share their first name and listen, and, and maybe they'll decide to set some goals. So they don't have to share a ton. So I'll, I'll, I'll let them know. But yeah, I've really grown a lot. Um, and, and you've helped me a lot too, just encouraging me to do live videos. That was a major hurdle. Like, and this is what I'm doing now. I would have never even been able to do this maybe five or 10 years ago. So I've continued to grow. Of course, I still feel anxious doing these things, but it's also, I found exhilarating to yeah. face the fears. And so I think that's just helped me in my work to be able to have gone through a lot of that myself. Well, and one of the things I love about you and have been so grateful to stay connected with you is that you're a living example of the work that you do and you face fears and do hard things like people that that live an exposure-based lifestyle, I can totally relate to because similarly, I was the kid who didn't talk in high school. So <laughs> I think that there's that part of us that we bring with us and helps us to really fully support clients who are struggling in a way that's, you know, our, our empathy for those clients and our ability to walk them through the, these challenges is, I think, strong because of that. Yeah, definitely. So these groups in the format, your group members come in, they check in. And then I guess I'm wondering, like, how do you determine whether it's a week where psychoeducation is needed versus mindfulness versus processing? Is it more like, you know, if if five of the eight people have a similar concern and you're doing psychoed on that, like what break yeah, it down? Yeah, I mean, us. that's how it's really evolved. So I've I've been doing these groups for about seven years and I used to do them by myself. But adding this co-leader the past two or three years has, has really helped. I'm a very structured, like I used to always plan them out and they were very, you know, but much more CBT. We do some, like sometimes some art, art, you know, arts and crafts with the teens. Oh, also my group right now is teens and adults. It's kind of evolved too. I used to do some groups for kids and separate groups for teens and separate for adults. It's kind of like what is needed at the time. I'd love to run another kid group. We just haven't had enough interest since the pandemic to do that online. So anyway, I guess it's kind of 
changed in that way to, yeah, it is whatever they, we feel that they need in the session. And sometimes we'll check in with them and say like, we have a couple of ideas and, or, you know, he'll say something and say, what do you think? And I'll say, yeah, or I was thinking this, like, what do you guys want to do? And, you know, um, people just kind of chime in like, yeah, that one sounds good. And so, and, and it's often, yeah, some kind of exercise, let's say we're going to, so often we're talking about self-compassion, especially lately. So we might have them do a writing exercise or we might do a meditation or we might do, yeah, just kind of have them processing something together. But it's always whatever we do, we always share at the end. And I think that's the most powerful part. So if they're writing something on their own, then we encourage them to share it with the group. And that's where you get that connection and validation. Everyone's like nodding and like, yes, I feel the same way. Yeah, which is like the most powerful part or the most fulfilling part, I'll say for me as a group leader is that connection and the the recognition that you're not alone and the validation that's provided between members, not just from leaders to members. I'm yeah. curious about your favorite part or the part that really gives you the group buzz, like what fulfills you the most in the process? Yeah, I mean, it really is that that connection and, and I think seeing people like come out of their shell, like um, we have one group member who she's 16 now and she's been with us a few years and so, you know, so shy and, and really has had a hard time sharing, but, but comes every week, you know, and to me, I mean, I, I teared up when she started really fully sharing her story and it was just amazing. Like she I found out so much more about her and I get goosebumps now just thinking about it. Like it was, that was such a cool moment. And everyone, I think even people that didn't know her as long as I had, like they could tell how meaningful that was for her, how powerful it was in facing her anxiety, but also just talking about these vulnerable pieces of our lives are are so difficult. And so I think just that sharing their stories and, and really you know, they'll say sometimes this is the first time I've ever said this aloud. They'll say that often. And, or, and then even as they're going through an exercise, like I never realized that until I just wrote this out now. And so I I love like that, those new realizations and people just really sharing and opening up. Yeah. My heart is full hearing you describe these examples, like to be the, the space and the keeper of so many stories that are unfolding right in front of you is such an honor. Yeah. And it is, this is the most rewarding, like this one hour of the week is my favorite hour of the week. I also teach mindfulness classes, which I love, but this group, I mean, I'm, as you can tell, passionate about, about it, but they're also, they're such passionate and grateful people. They're all, I, I, it's hard to, you know, generalize. I, you know, but the people that I've met with BFRBs, I think because they've been suffering for so long and then they finally have some relief, they're, they're just the most rewarding people to work with. And, and they share that gratitude and, and they, you know, and with each other. And I just, yeah, it's definitely the most rewarding hour of my week or the most rewarding part of my job. Yeah. I love that you have that and that that's such a, a shining light in your week. One powerful moment we had last night is they were all sharing that, that they, you know, are yeah, just telling themselves to stop and then they can't stop, but they realize that when they do stop, that's when they really start beating themselves up. Like as they're pulling or picking, they get into this trance-like state and, and feel really good. And, and there's these, you know, endorphins and just keeps, keeps them going. Then we, we talked about, well, what about, you know, when you stop, instead of beating yourself up, could you reward yourself for stopping? 
or even be like that nurturing mother that, you know, it made me think of like a kid who's like running and falls and the mom could be like, you know, what's wrong with you? Why are you running? You know, stop doing that. And yells at the kid or does the mom you know pick the kid up and hold the kid because the kid's hurting and so it's like can you hold yourself in that way can you give yourself that comfort you need because yeah maybe you did mess up in your goals you didn't mean to be picking for two hours but right now you need that love and comfort and support yeah so it goes back to that self-compassion and so some people are like oh there's no way I could reward myself after two hours of picking but but maybe I could just be a little kinder to myself. Maybe I could say like, it's okay. This is hard. Something like that. So those baby steps towards being more self-compassionate. Yeah. I love that. I always tell my clients, baby steps are still progress. Like we set the goal of the bar too far, I think sometimes, and then end up being self-critical because we didn't meet that bar, but let's start smaller. Well, that comes up all the time too, because often people will come in their first session and will at the end say, okay, let's, you know, now we'll set goals. And we just kind of let them set what they want based on maybe what we talked about that day or just anything they're wanting to work on. And sometimes we'll get someone new that'll say, okay, I'm not going to pull my hair at all this, this whole week until I see you guys again. And then you will be like, well, how often are you pulling now? And they'll be like, oh, every day, like all day. And it's like, how is that a realistic goal? Is that achievable? And so, and we really focus our goals on, we, we try to encourage them to focus on strategies versus saying not to pull, you know, that you're not going to do the behavior. Cause obviously if you could just stop, you would. And right. these right. people have tried for years to stop and, and they can't. Right. And are you all online right now? Like is, yes. Okay. Yeah. We, yeah. So since March of last year, we switched to online and I was a little worried about how the group would be. It's actually, I think gone better if, if that's possible because people are able to come more consistently. I think the location, you know, sometimes people would have to drive, I mean, a long distance, some people, and now, yeah, it's just like, okay, just get on your computer. So people are coming more consistently, which I think is improving the group. So we've talked about maybe we will stay online or maybe we'll have two different groups, one that's in person and one that's online. Yeah. I think that, you know, people, I can say generally were nervous to transition groups online when, you know, the pandemic Mm -hmm. started. And now I'm noticing a lot of the same feedback is that groups are more accessible where, I mean, right now we're reaching clients that are in like Harrisburg and Hershey that are an hour from an hour plus Mm -hmm. from where, you know, any of our office locations are. And so just the ability to reach more people, I'm thinking we'll keep at least one group online. And then also considering will a hybrid model work? I don't know. So yeah, we've thought about that maybe every other week in person or something. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's so many options for sure. Yeah. Are you using any tools or resources that you can reference that make this group run well for you? I mean, I think in general, I was thinking about that. Just, you know, the knowledge about BFRBs. I mean, I incorporate a lot from the, there's a model called COM, C-O-M, and then a capital B. It's the comprehensive behavioral treatment for BFRBs. And so there's a book on that. It's a book for therapists, actually. So if anyone wants to learn how to treat this, these disorders, I'd recommend that book, as well as, you know, yeah, taking like some training, like either my course or some other training. And then, I mean, I think just with a little bit of training, you can start doing this group, you just need to know about BFRBs and how to treat them really. 
Yeah. So I'm going to plug your course for you because we have a therapist at my center. She's actually Jen Moyer. She did an episode of the podcast. She's a certified exposure therapist and she took your BFRB course and she is the go-to for BFRBs in our area. Um, There's not many people that specifically treat or call out that this is something they do and it's in her profile. And so it's been really great that she has been like, yeah, I, I took Laura's training. I know exactly what to do. So tell our listeners, you know, what is the course for therapists that um, yeah, they may want to so check out? It's it's all online and it's and it's self-paced. I do have a Facebook group for just the people in the course where I'll offer a little coaching and, and support. But generally, yeah, you can go through it at your own pace. It's about five hours of time and, and I, it does um, include five CEUs upon completion. You just have to fill out um, a form, an evaluation really at the end and then you get your CEUs. So it's, it really goes step by step. I I talk a little bit in there about what BFRBs are the most important things you need to know as a therapist, but then really step by step through the treatment. I take the therapist through, you know, the way that, that I help my, my patients. And so, yeah, and it's really the same, I guess you could say model that I use in the group therapy and group therapy. It's just kind of like, instead of, I'd say step by step, we just kind of give them what's needed at the time but it goes through all of the, you know, components that I think and that, that I've found over the past 15 years to be really helpful, as well as what the research shows. So it, it gives you a really solid training and, and, and also handouts that you can use with your clients. So it's really all the resources you need to start doing individual or group with your clients. So everything you need to be successful with your BFRB clients. (laughs) And it's, I mean, for new therapists, it's such a great way to get more clients really because yeah, there is such a shortage and so many people say they can't find a therapist in their area. So yeah, for sure. So you've already shared that having proper training is super important for a new therapist who wants to work in this area. Is there any other top tip or piece of advice you'd give to a therapist who wants to run a BFRB group? I think really being open to learning from your, your clients is so important because you don't want to go in there as the expert. And I'll often, I mean, always I'll tell them, you know, I don't have a BFRB myself because a lot of therapists actually that treat these disorders have had or either still struggle or have struggled with a BFRB. So I'll make that clear and say that, you know, you guys are the experts. You tell us what's going to be helpful to you. We can tell you what research shows or what's helped other clients, but not going in there like, you know, it all. And I think they really appreciate that. And and so we listen and learn from them and really they can then support each other and, and help each other come up with interventions. So that's why I think you don't need to know a ton. You just need to be open to learning and be, you know, ready to like keep learning with whatever they, they show up with. Yeah. So really trusting in the process that the clients come in, knowing what they need and having the guidance to provide them with the support or tools that will help them along the way. Right. And a lot of it's stuff that most therapists already know, or, you know, or, you know, if if you know some basic CBT, that's helpful. If you know some mindfulness, self-compassion is huge. I mean, those kinds of things that, yeah, a lot of us know already. Right. Right. Well, Laura, it's been amazing to talk to you today. I feel like we could talk for two hours on this. <laughs> so, <Yes. laughs> so I really appreciate you taking the time and sharing your expertise. Tell us where we can find you and connect with you and all the places that you're, you're offering support. Sure. Yeah. So anyone, you're welcome to join the 
Facebook group that overcoming skin picking and hair pulling help for BFRBs, as well as I have a website specifically for my online courses that's called Mindful STL Online. And if you just go there, I'll list the different, I have the free webinars I've done on there as well as the online courses. Amazing. For, for adults with BFRBs and therapists. Love it. So we will link those resources below your podcast to make sure that therapists can find you. I appreciate your time and look forward to seeing you in the Facebook world. Yes, <laughs> you too. Thank you Thanks, so much. Laura. Hey, Groupie, thanks for listening. For more resources on how you can market, fill, and run your group in private practice, check me out at becomeagroupguru.com. 